Well, Merry Christmas. I got a couple of things I want to highlight a little bit more before we get into the into the message. One is is uh, uh, just what Juice was talking about, Pastor Justin, our Suffolk campus pastor, about the um, about the opportunity that we have to give towards uh, the ministry of Cherished. And so I just want to encourage you as you're putting together, and I hope you put together a budget. I hope you're giving out of a budget and not out of a balance. And when it comes to your own personal finances, and that you've got a budget for Christmas. And part of the just the what we believe is important as as devoted followers of Christ is that part of Christmas as a budget for our families should not just be for what we're giving to ourselves, but what we're giving beyond ourselves. And so for these last three years, and it's been phenomenal, uh, the outpouring of your generosity each of those years. And so we're hoping every year that number just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I'm just encouraging you that you as a family, it's going to spark a conversation. How do we need to change this year's Christmas plan to include a gift? And, and, and it doesn't have to be a massive gift. This is the lie that you tell yourself. If I can't give everything that I should, I'm not going to give anything. And so that gift gets really big if everybody does something. If everybody does a little something, I'm telling you, that will be a big gift that will go a long way to that ministry. If you've got questions about that ministry, I think Sharon's here. Sharon, raise your hand. You can see Sharon Thomas uh, at the end of the service, uh, cherished, and just the incredible, incredible work that they're doing right here, uh, right here in the 757. So also have a, a, a card I want to give. Oh, you can clap. Who was clapping? Come on, let's clap. I like it. This is for Jeremy today, sharing his birthday with us here at the City Life Church. Come on, a little love for Jeremy, making me walk a long way. <laughs> happy birthday, happy birthday, so good. Well, I'm excited for this new series. You all ready for a new series? That we're going to be in all throughout Christmas, the Holy Spirit, the Forgotten gift of Christmas. It was awesome. I was teaching last night in our uh, uh, Praxis 9. You know, we've got the internship program that we have here. They're getting ready to wrap up their first semester. Their first uh, semester has, has two tracks in it, a Bible track uh, and a discipleship track. And I, I teach the discipleship track. And uh, last night we were wrapping things up. And so we were just kind of doing a, a catch-all Q&A. Any question that they uh, had about faith, about Christ, about Christian beliefs, about the church, um, and, and we found ourselves uh, into a, a, a conversation, and one of the interns, uh, it got personal for her, right, because all of a sudden she, 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 she began to realize, I struggle with that, and then you know how sometimes when you're, you think out loud and you don't realize you're doing it, you ever do that, right, you're like, I'm I'm, did I just say that, right? Because I, I thought it was just a voice in my own head. And, uh, and so out loud, uh, the, right in the middle of the class is, I'm going to have to stand up tomorrow night at church. Right? It was so good. Because if you know, we've been in this series in the crowd that we finished last week. And throughout the sermon, if there's, there, there were opportunities for people to respond, right, and to be ministered to. It's, and it's, it was a moment of confession. It was so great. And then she was so relieved to know that the series was changing, so she wasn't going to have to... Have to, but it was great. I'm going to have to stand up tomorrow in church. It's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You stand if you want to. You stand if you want to. The Holy Spirit, the forgotten gift of Christmas. We're going to be talking in this series about who the Holy Spirit is, where the Holy Spirit is, which also raises interesting questions about where does that mean that Jesus is? Where is God? How, those questions, when you begin to ask questions about the Holy Spirit, it leads to other questions. We're going to dig into those in this series, this month. I think it's just going to be this month. We say this about every series because we want the Holy Spirit to decide how long we're in it. 
And so we're going to wade into it this month and see uh, where it takes us. We want to talk about the role and the function of the Holy Spirit, who, who he is and what he does. We possibly, we'll see, we might get into the concept and the idea of the gifts of the Spirit. It might lead us into a conversation about spiritual language. That's an important part of the Holy Spirit. I like this idea of the Holy Spirit being the forgotten gift of Christmas. And we're doing this series. We don't do this all the time, but we do it sometimes. It's the same, Suffolk is doing the same series. Pastor Justin, he's going to take his own angle and find his own path through. But thematically, they're both going to be the same. And then we're going to swap campuses on the 22nd. He'll be here and I'll be there. And so, um, you can, through this series, if you want to double down on teaching, you can, if you're live here, you can listen to the podcast for Pastor Justin. So you get twice the content. We're just throwing that in for free. I think one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit is the forgotten gift of Christmas, in some ways, it's because of John 16, 14. I'm going to start reading in verse 12 just to give some context And then I'm going to finish up in 14. It says, this is Jesus talking. There is so much more I want to tell you, right? Jesus knows he's at the end of his life. These are his last few moments with his disciples, and he's just kind of pouring it all on. So there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, who is the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. Listen to what it says. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Verse 14 He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Now this verse has set into motion a belief that I think robs people in their relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says, Jesus himself, that the Holy Spirit, one of his primary functions is to glorify Christ. And people have misunderstood that to mean that we should not glorify him. It doesn't, the text doesn't say that we, or that the Holy Spirit brings glory and that we should never glorify him. The Holy Spirit is part of who God is. He is divine. He is divine. He is the forgotten gift of Christmas for many of us because we forget that he is worthy of our praise and our worship. And we're going to dig further into that next week. Certainly Jesus should be celebrated as Christmas. And we're not saying that you should diminish how you celebrate him. What you're saying is let's add something to it. And celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit back into the world as it was with Eden in the beginning of time. So Holy Spirit, as we delve into this series, we say help us understand you better. Who you are. Help us walk in the manifestation of this promise that Jesus himself gave that you're going to lead us into all truth. And what we understand, Holy Spirit, is that part of the truth that you lead us into is the truth about yourself. Greater understanding, greater revelation in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said together, amen, amen. All right, how about a little survey? How about a little survey? Who, 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 who here is married? Who are my married people here? Married people. Married people. The people that are watching the Alabama-Georgia game on their phone right now can't figure out why everybody's raising their hand. <laughs> we know who you are. All right, you're married. All right, now let's, I'm going I'm to sit down for this. I'm going to sit down because I'm going to be part of the survey. If, if, don't be getting all nervous over there. You're the staff, they're like, dear God, what is he doing? So, so how many of you are the more emotional person in the marriage? Stand up. Stand up. The more emotional person in the marriage. All right. All right, you can sit back down. How many of you are the more analytical person, the more thinking person in the marriage? Stand up. Yeah. Right. I know. See? Right? Yeah, it's good. 
It's good. All right, you can sit back down. I stood up for that one too because I'm the more, I'm the more thinking person in the marriage. We, we, I want to talk about this because tonight's message in some ways is laying a foundation to prepare us for where we're going in the coming weeks. And, 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 and I want to start here because I want for you to feel something at the beginning of this message that's going to be important for us as we go through our study. And, and what I want you to feel is that depending on when you stood determines your comfort level in certain conversations that happen in your house. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about conversations. For some of you, you had a conversation on the way to church. For some of you, right, you were having that conversation walking down the hall into the sanctuary, and then you had to get your church smile on before you walked in, right? And depending on, on, on where you are, whether you're the more feeling person or whether you're the more thinking person, de- determines your comfort level when you're having intense conversations with, with one another. Now, we don't have time to come at it from both angles, so I'm just going to pick the feeling side. We've got a slide that's going to come up. If, if you're the more feeling person, how many of you have heard, don't raise your hand, right? And don't elbow anybody. How many of you have heard this from the more thinking person that stood up next to you? Why can't you just calm down? Why why are you always so emotional? You're just making the situation worse. Wait, you just want me to listen? I'm not supposed to give you a solution. I'm not supposed to figure out your problem. Right? How many of you? Right? Don't don't raise your hand. Hands are like, oh, I heard it just a few minutes ago. And and if you're the more thinking person, and and I've said these things, right? Vanessa can attest to this. If you're the more thinking person, we we find ourselves responding to a person that's demonstrating emotions in a way that makes us uncomfortable. Now, how would those conversations have gone if you being the more feeling person had heard some things like this from the more thinking person? It sounds like this is really upsetting to you. I'm sorry you feel that way. I didn't know that bothered you so much. What, what, what could I do differently next time? And this is a big one here, right? This is, just, this is just good marriage one-on-one for you. Take some notes. I can understand why you feel so and then work hard to try to state the emotion that you think they're feeling. And saying that you understand that they feel that way doesn't necessarily mean that you would feel that way, but you recognize why it's created that emotion in them. That'd be great. Who said that? Did somebody just say that'd be great? That's awesome. Oh, that's so good. Somebody's like, can we just do a series on marriage instead of the Holy Spirit just for the rest of the night? It would make my Christmas so much better. Oh, I know. Now, all you feeling people... Wait, now, we, we don't have time for it tonight, but we have a list for you too, right? For those of us who are more analytical and thinking things that we need to hear you say, right? Turnabout's fair play. I didn't want it to seem self-serving, so I went the other direction. Let, let me give you these two words, right? Because I wanted you to connect to a feeling. And these two words are this, minimizing versus understanding. And this isn't just in marriage relationships. This is in working relationships, This is in church relationships. It's in all kinds of relationships. We tend to minimize things that make us uncomfortable. 
because we want to step away from that feeling of discomfort. So we want to minimize the circumstance and the situation because something inside of us does not like the feeling of discomfort. We're creatures of comfort. This is part of the human condition. And so we minimize. If I'm the thinking person, I minimize emotion. If I'm the feeling person, I I, I minimize the importance of the analytical process because each of those, for me, depending on who you are, you have a lack of comfort level in that place. What we're supposed to do in those moments, even though we're experiencing discomfort, is to strive to understand. A a healthy marriage, you are always going to feel discomfort if you're the thinking person in intense times of emotion. If you're the feeling person, you're still going to feel this feeling of discomfort when you've got to step into this place of analytical, critical thinking process. The feeling of discomfort doesn't go away. What needs to change is how you respond to it is to stop minimizing and start endeavoring to understand. Say, I, I, I want to understand why you respond in this way and in this circumstance. People who are more analytical are less comfortable in intensely feeling moments, so they tend to minimize the emotions of others instead of trying to understand the other person's feelings. People who are more feeling are less comfortable in intensely analytical moments, so they tend to minimize the critical thinking of others instead of trying to understand the other person's thoughts. Minimizing always harms other people. Minimizing always harms other people. So maybe by now you're thinking, Fred, I have no earthly idea how this sets up a conversation about the Holy Spirit, and it's this. Most people are uncomfortable with mystery when it comes to Christian beliefs because we want answers. We want answers. Part of the human condition is a sense of entitlement. And one of the the, the feelings of entitlement that we bring to our relationship with God is that sometimes we feel like he's holding out on us. And and we don't like mystery. And we're not using mystery in the sense of like spooky. We're using mystery in the sense of perplexing. Mystery is a word that the Bible keeps going back to to refer to perplexing questions that seem ever elusive and sometimes it feels as though we might not ever get the answer and the answer to that is that's true because we might not ever get the answer and we don't like that. As Christians, we tend to minimize the mystery instead of doing the heavy lifting of understanding. We ignore it, we deny it, we oversimplify it. Sometimes we do all three at the same time. We're so uncomfortable. We don't even know what to do. Can I just give you an example of denying? Denying is when someone is sharing about a circumstance or a situation that they're going through and maybe they're talking about, they, they, they're not understanding why God's not moving. Maybe it's in response to a physical condition. Maybe it's in response to a struggle that they're, they're having and a well-meaning Christian says to them, well, maybe you just need to have more faith. Right? Yeah. Maybe you've been the person that's said that. There's an arrogance that comes through denial because you present yourself in a way that your Christian beliefs are so complete that there's no mystery that you struggle with. And so the arrogance leads to denial, which robs me from my ability to minister and care for the person in the moment. It 
Ignoring it is acknowledging the mystery is there, but you're just not willing to do the hard work to dig into it. That doesn't tend to have an outward effect on other people as much, but denial does. And I'll tell you this, oversimplification does as well. Let me give you an example of oversimplification. We were talking about this one last night in the discipleship class. One of the things that frustrates me as a devoted follower of Christ, I'm not even talking about as a pastor, just as a Christian, is is that when, when people try to use semantics to oversimplify the mysteries that we face, one of them is this, is when people say, well, God didn't cause it, he just allowed it. Well, can I just say, there's not really any difference between those two things. There's not. And we should stop saying that. We should. And when we say things like that, listen, when we say things like that, that's one of the things that the world that we're trying to reach says, I don't want to be a part of a faith that is intellectually dishonest. So we use semantics, and for some of us, we've been taught those things, and then we just parrot them and repeat them, and it perpetuates. We've, we've got to stop that. We've got to stop it. It's okay for us to say, I don't know. It's okay for us to say in certain situations, in certain, certain circumstances, there is a mystery to this life, and sometimes we're not going to know the answer. Minimizing always harms others. Let me show you this scale. 1 Corinthians 3.2 and Ephesians 4.13. I'm going to read a little bit further back than that just to give some context. But listen to 1 Corinthians 3.2. This is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. If I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, and he's using these as a metaphor for spiritual teaching, for religious instruction. If I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you, I had to because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. So Paul's talking about for all of us at some point when we begin this journey as a devoted follower of Christ, we got to start out with the fundamentals. We, we got to start out with the, the basic stuff. And he's saying it's just like with a, with a baby, they're not able to eat certain things. And so you, you, you have to make it easy for them to consume. And it's the same in our spiritual journey. There's a place where we all start. Now listen to Ephesians 4. I'm going to back up to verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. This is talking about church leaders. To do his work. And listen to what it says. And build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity of our faith, listen to the next one, and the knowledge of God's Son so that we will be mature in the Lord. And and then listen to what Paul says to the church of Ephesus. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So Paul is saying there is a point that we will get to where our knowledge will, will, will reflect the fullness of who Christ is. There will be no more mystery. Now, we know that's not going to happen until we get to heaven, but Paul's giving them hope. We're going to get there. But I like that he puts this in here for the instruction of the church. What he doesn't say is, hey, I know one day we're going to know it all, so don't try to know anything more now. He doesn't. He's saying, no, 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 you got to work on knowing more. Even though you know you're not going to know it all, the journey is worth it. And what I want to see you is wherever you would be, if you would 
Think yourself as one of those diamonds on the scale. Maybe you're way back at the beginning. Maybe you're from, from tonight, wherever you would plot yourself on this course, from knowing nothing to knowing everything. Maybe we should let, maybe you shouldn't plot yourself. You should let somebody else plot you. Is that this journey in life, you've you got to keep moving towards Ephesians 4.13. And that last dot, I'm putting that there to represent your last day on this earth at the point where God calls us home. It's going to be the marker of how far we got. And what I want you to see is that the distance between where you are now, where you get to later in life, and the progress you make there at the very end, what I want you to understand is that the farther you get, the more resistance you're going to experience. Now, part of that's spiritual, but part of it is also, and that's another sermon for another time, but for tonight, you cover less ground over time as you move through the chart because the mysteries get bigger. The revelation gets deeper. The concepts become more complex. And for too many of us, we just, we're content with the milk of Christian beliefs and we never make it out of vacation Bible school from elementary school. And we find a sense of contentment. And Paul's saying, don't get stuck there. Keep moving forward. There's more revelation that's going to come. But the farther you go, the harder the road gets. Listen to 2 Timothy 2.15. This is so good. Paul, man, he just, right? Every day he was killing it. Do you ever just say, I just want to have one day like a Paul? I don't need to have all of it. Just let me be like the Apostle. Just one day. A half a day. Just give me a half a day. Work hard so you can present yourself to God. That's right. Come on. Stop it. This, is, this, isn't, this, isn't, this isn't threatening grace. This isn't talking about salvation. That's a free gift. But once that gift comes to us, something should motivate us and drive us to go deeper and further in. Work hard, he says to Timothy, so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Grace gives us his acceptance. How we walk out that grace determines his approval. I don't, want, I don't just want his acceptance by grace. I want his approval because of the character I labor hard to see built in me. Be a good worker, he says. One who does not need to be ashamed. And listen to what Paul says. This is important to us. The connection that Paul makes to Christian service, to the hard work of revelation. He says, be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly explains the word of truth. What's Paul saying? It almost, it's one of these verses where it seems like Paul wrote a thought that belonged somewhere else. But what Paul's saying is, you're not going to be able to minister to people in this world to the depth and the degree that God wants you to minister to people unless you give yourself to the hard work of understanding the deeper things of Christianity. The revelation that you and I find on this journey of study, going deep in God's word, prepares me and empowers me to be more effective in the work that I have to do to minister and care for other people. 
we're using this to lay the foundation of this series because when we get to the end of this series, you know what there's still going to be? Mysteries. You know what we're still going to have? Are questions that we don't know the answers to. And part of this series isn't just to take you further on the scale of your revelation of who the Holy Spirit is based on our church's understanding of Scripture, but it's also to give you, listen, a sense of comfort level with living with the mystery. It's to move you further on the scale, but it's also to make you a little bit more comfortable with the fact that we're not going to get all the way there until we get to heaven. If you don't find a comfort with the discomfort of mystery, then you're going to end up being a person that ignores or denies or oversimplifies. And those things will rob you of your motivation to drive harder and deeper still, which will minimize and marginalize your effectiveness as a devoted follower of Christ in this world. It will not affect his acceptance of you, but it most certainly will affect his approval. And it will affect my ability to minister and care for others. Let me read you some verses here that talks about the mysteries of life as a devoted follower of Christ. Job 11, 7. Listen to what Job says. Can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything about the Almighty? Let me read that again. Can you solve the mysteries of God? Right? These are rhetorical questions. Can you discover everything about the Almighty? 1 Corinthians 15, 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Other translations render that mystery. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret that we will not all die, but we will all be transformed. What's Paul talking about there? It's talking about the second coming of Christ. That there's going to be a generation in this world. There's going to be a generation of devoted followers of Christ in this world that will not see and taste physical death. Because Jesus is going to come back and take us all to heaven. The early church lived with the sense of the immediacy of the fulfillment of the coming of Christ. Peter, in one of his epistles, he had to write and say, hey, just because he hasn't come back yet, don't get lazy. He's still going to come. 2,000 years later, we're saying the same thing. Just because he hasn't come yet doesn't mean he's not going to. And Paul says it's a wonderful secret. It's a great example of how further revelation leads to greater mystery. In some ways, when the scale's not up there anymore, in some ways... It feels like the further we go, the more we move the diamond back because the more we realize we've yet to discover. Even Paul talking about the second coming of Christ, it opens up just a whole world of new questions. You gotta be comfortable with the mystery. We've gotta be willing to say to a world, I don't know the answer to that question. First Corinthians 13, 2. If I had the gift of prophecy, listen to where he goes next. And if I understood all of God's secret plans, isn't that good? Doesn't, doesn't that inspire you? Right, because you're one of his children. 
He wants to share some of those things with you. There should be something inside of us like, God, I, whatever mysteries that you want to reveal to me, I can't, I can't wait to understand them. If I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith, faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. This is a great example of a text that is about love, and it most certainly is about love, but then we, we kind of focus in, we get tunnel vision on certain themes of certain texts, and then it causes us to stop looking for the other themes that are there. And one of the themes that's here is Paul saying to the church of Corinth again, there's always going to be mystery and we're never going to have it all figured out. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. And we are not accountable for them. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us. So that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. This is so important for us. For so many people... They let what they don't yet understand stop them from acting on what they do know to be true. And for some of us, that was part of our impediment for even making a vow of devotion to Christ. If you're here tonight and you're wait, waiting to figure it all out before you commit your heart wholly to Jesus, I have bad news for you. You're never going to commit your heart wholly to Jesus because you're never going to figure it all out. One of the things we talked about with the interns last night was, was some of the hard questions that people who are not devoted followers of Christ ask in genuine curiosity about faith and Christianity. And I enjoy having those conversations with people, but I always have the same goal when I'm in those conversations. I, I don't try to stay in that conversation for too long because at the end of the day, I know that we're not going to know the answer. So what I try to do is I begin to sense with some sensitivity, right? Because you, you, you want to engage them in the things that they're questioning about. But at some point, you've you got to do some work to try to begin to figure out something that they do believe to be true about Christ. You've got to start probing around a little bit and try to figure out some things that they, they do understand to be true. And then I always try to end those conversations with, with, with the same comment and the same encouragement. Is make sure that you don't let the things that you don't know Stop you from acting on the things that you do. Act on the things that you do know to be true and keep wrestling with the things that you don't along the way. That's the Christian experience. That's the Christian experience. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Let me give you two more weighty words. Do a little quick deep dive. Uh-oh, somebody said, oh, Jamal, uh-oh. Notes are always online. If you're a note taker, PDF documents are on our website. All the verses we use, they're there for you. Exegesis versus eisegesis. Exegesis is a fancy theological term that just means it's the work and the science of drawing the meaning out of the text. That's, that's good study. Eisegesis is when you come to the text with a preconceived idea 
And then you force your belief on that text and use that text to reinforce the belief that you have. That's trouble. Eisegesis is something that you see commonly happening and taking place with people when they're wrestling with the mysteries of belief. We're going to do a lot of exegeting of texts in the series. And along the way, it might uncover some eisegeting that you've done along the way. Part of this series was inspired by a book by John, John Bevere called The Holy Spirit, an introduction. This, it's a good book. But what I would encourage you is don't read it until after we get through this series. Because there's some certain parts of that book that as I read it, I was like, you know, I, I can't go there with him. We're going to talk about some of those. But a lot of it, it's fantastic. And one of them is a list that he gives in this book that talks about all the ways the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to hear this list. This is just part of it. Spirit of truth, spirit of counsel, spirit of knowledge, spirit of might, spirit of understanding, spirit of wisdom, spirit of grace, spirit of judgment, spirit of fire, spirit of life and love and power, sound mind, revelation and holiness. Who doesn't want more of that in their life? Who doesn't want more of that in their life? I want all of those in greater measure. And I hope you do too. Stand with me. Holy Spirit, as we step back into this moment of worship, I pray that even tonight, even in just this time of an introduction, that we're going to be more aware of your presence. We're going to be more sensitive to your voice. And above all else, our heart is going to be more submissive and yielding and willing to follow you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship together.